This week, uh, political lemurs. Lemurs. It's Friday, November 10th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to uh, catch up with what's been going on in the Netherlands. I'm Paul Peters, Master Student in Civil Engineering and Compus Critic, and I'm joined, uh, as always, by Gordon Derrick, contributing editor at Dutch News and lifetime therapy patient. Yeah, I think we're both therapy patients this week, actually. Um, yeah. 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 We need to explain what a Compus is. It sounds ghastly, <laughs> and yeah, uh, it is. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we all know uh, the Tompus. That's, uh, I think, a, a podcast favorite here. Uh, yeah. At least I like it very much. Uh, it's a, yeah, how do you call it? Um, a t- a two slices of, of puffed yeah, pastry, pastry with really, yeah, yeah. and uh, with, uh, with some um, uh, cream in between. Yeah, um, and some icing or, on uh, top. Creme patissiere with uh, with an icing with a bright pink icing on top, or on certain occasions uh, bright orange. Yes, um, and um, you can uh, the, the Hema, uh, for example, is uh, is uh, famously sells them. Mm. They never sell the best ones. Uh, you should go to your local bakery for for much nicer ones. But Hema is very Absolutely. known for selling uh, selling tompouses. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of people. It seems to be a trend nowadays. Uh, people are making variants of the tompous, and it all started with the krompous. Um They um, uh, yeah sliced open a, a croissant and filled it with um, uh, uh, crème pâtissière, yeah. uh, which you uh, would normally fill a, a tompous with, uh, and then also. Of course, top it with this uh, with this uh, horribly colored uh, 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 icing. Yeah. Um, it, w- whenever you see it at something else than the tompous, it uh, it revolts me. I have to say. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it it's just, it, it, it's appalling. It shouldn't be allowed. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't look appealing whatsoever. But yeah, um, yeah this is this is a major hit. Uh, in the country for a couple of weeks now and you see all sorts of other variants popping up. I saw a uh, kibbling poos for example. Yeah, uh, kibbling kibbling poos, is... yes, so that was uh, that was awful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. that's that's fr- fr- uh, yeah, like fried fish, right? Uh, yeah. deep fried fish. Yeah. Uh, I really don't understand what what people <laughs> were thinking. And yeah, all sorts of other variants. It started to become a meme, but also some people are um uh, uh, doing it unironically, and that's the worrying part. Uh, yeah, I yeah, think the compus yeah. is uh, questionable. Uh, to me, it's unacceptable. But at least uh, it probably is a is a is a uh, you know it's it's a co- another combination of puffed pastry and, and cream. Mm. Uh, so in a sense, it is uh, uh, um, it is a sort of tompus, But all the other variants, it's just uh, horrible. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's just desecrating the, yeah, the 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 tradition of the tompus. It's like yeah, it's, it's nothing sacred. And um, yeah, I'm looking at another picture of a of a uh, 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 pinked iced uh, croissant. It's, no, it's uh, I don't <laughs> stop, I, stop looking at these pictures. It's, uh, I have mm-hmm. to say that Hema did a nice advertisement. Hema, Hema is always very good at these inhakers. We call them at mm. these um, uh, advertisements that uh, uh, are related to current affairs, and they just uh, put a, a photo of their old-fashioned tompous with the caption. Uh, Waarom, 
Uh, waarom iets krom maken wat recht is? Why yeah. curved something that's straight? Mm. Uh, yeah. Which is a Dutch saying of... Uh, yeah, why should you change something that's already uh, perfectly good? Um, yeah. So yeah, I thought that was a, that was a nice, uh, nice advertisement, nice reaction from Hema. <laughs> So we should go to Hema for our therapy uh, this week, then basically yeah. for, our, for to cleanse our palates. Speaking of therapy, that brings us on to uh, what I wanted to highlight, which is a, a post that uh, did the rounds on Twitter this week. Uh, as always, stories about Twitter always do well on Twitter, and this one was about uh, yeah. Twitter moderation. <laughs> basically, Elon Musk has sacked all his moderators. He had to declare to the European Union under the Digital Services Act exactly how many staff they had working on content moderation. Um, and they have uh, just under 2,300 staff but only one of them is fluent in Dutch. So they have one <laughs> yeah. content moderator for the entire of Dutch Twitter. If you spend any time on Dutch Twitter, you will know that this poor guy um, must just be swamped constantly with... Uh, he, may, he must know every disease known to man, first of all. He's, he's like a walking <laughs> medical text, but now, you know. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, it, it, it just must be it must be the most horrific existence. It must just be like being uh, locked in a... Uh, locked in a cell with a stinking p- p- pile of human excrement, because it's just... Uh, yeah, un- unimaginable. He, he shares this distinction, incidentally, with the moderators for Croatian, uh, Latvian and Polish... Uh, mm. Because of those three, well, actually, I think Polish. Well, uh, yeah, of those three, of those three languages, I think Dutch has probably got the biggest uh, payload in terms of uh, tweets. Um, yeah, because yeah, so you, you also got Flanders. You got uh, uh, Flanders. Oh yeah, as of well. course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm guessing yeah. they'll do all of uh, that half of Belgian Twitter as well. Uh, so uh, yeah, lo- 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 lots of tweets about uh, ministers pissing against police police cars, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it, I, I just can't imagine what this poor guy's life must be like. So no, I don't I envy him whatsoever. Him to have to, 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 we start a crowdfunder to let this guy just have two weeks on Tesla disconnected from the internet, so he can rediscover <laughs> his his sense of dignity. I think it's the only way. Yeah, the Dutch news comment moderation team also uh, consists of one person, right? So, uh, yeah, yeah, we know how hard that kind of job is. So, yeah, that um, person only yeah. has to moderate Facebook these days. We used to have uh, moderation uh, on, on the website, but uh, we, we got rid of that because, hmm. for, for, yeah, for, for reasons that should be apparent to anyone who spends any time on, uh, on the, the internet. website where they have below the line comments. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, that brings us to the uh, op-ed of the week. There is, uh, we are in the middle of campaign uh, season, of course, and that always uh, leads to a lot of op But uh, I think the one I've chosen uh, this week is uh, is one of a kind mm-hmm. uh, because VVD leader Dylan Jessogus turns out to have misled kickboxing world champion Rico Verhoeven. Ooh. Uh, this uh, has everything to do with uh, yeah, that remarkable video that came out two weeks ago, which we uh, mentioned on the podcast. Um, and uh, in the video, you could see the VVD leader training in the ring with kickboxer Verhoeven. Um, and uh, he won another championship this week. And therefore, he was invited on talk show Bo, where he was asked about the right hook of Jesselkus. Um he then admitted that he wasn't entirely happy with the video uh, because, yeah, it was, of course, widely shared with uh, uh, widely shared by the VVD campaign team and Jessalkus herself. Uh, it was, of course, a remarkable thing and it went absolutely viral. But he said uh, he's unhappy because it makes him look like a VVD supporter. Mm. Um, the video, uh, he said, was uh, actually made for NOC NSF, that's the Dutch Olympic Committee, uh, in order to raise awareness for 
children from poor families that cannot afford to participate in sports. And he felt that the message wasn't reflected enough in the video. Um, the idea that the VVD had misled uh, yeah, national teddy bear Rico <laughs> Verhoeven, uh, as well as the NOC and uh, poor children led to an explosion of outrage on social media. Uh, and I was watching the Ophef unfold uh, on, on Twitter. And we mentioned on the podcast that it was a video uh, from the Dutch Olympic Committee, right? Yeah. And I, I was looking at it and I was like, it, it's clear that it's from the, from the Olympic Committee. And the message is also clear. What are people talking about? And then I rewatched the video and I had to admit that I think Rico Verhoeven has a point here because yeah. um, uh, you can't really uh, see that, you know, there is no logo of the NOC NSF. Uh, in the video or anything and it was also not very clear that uh, they are doing this to raise awareness for these poor children so I, 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 I can understand why Rico Verhoeven was unhappy uh, with the video and I realized that I saw the, the video uh, by a tweet from the NOC NSF That's yeah. was, that was why I knew it but yeah the video went viral so it was shared everywhere and if you are unaware of, of, of the origin of it then there's no way you can you can you, you can know that it's uh, it's from the Dutch Olympic Committee. Yeah. So I thought he had a point there, but the uh, yeah explosion of of all sorts of theories that you saw on the internet. I saw a Volkskrant columnist writing that Dylan Yesokis had misled. Uh, th that she had secretly went to a a, um, a a fundraising event for these poor children and then secretly uh, shot this video with Rico Verhoeven. There were all sorts of wild theories coming <laughs> up, and I was like, "What are you talking yeah, about? You yeah. just no way you can you can you can. This is just a, 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 a just yeah, a, just no a way fantasy. You can just, like, sneak in the entire uh, video production team you know, like, on the quiet and then go into a gym, put your gym kit on with Rico Verhoeven and just do it without anyone noticing. Of course, <laughs> yeah, that would be the best." Uh, hidden camera uh, uh, <laughs> thing ever, I think. Yeah. So yeah, the, it was. There were all sorts of outrageous uh, uh, theories popping up. And, yeah. But yeah, I, I understand that Rico Fufu was unhappy with it and a little bit annoyed. But I think the, the blame is entirely with the uh, NOC NSF here because yeah. they said in a statement that yeah. Uh, we, we, we shot similar videos with other political leaders as well. Uh, we are happy that it is uh, so widely shared because, uh, yeah, we want to raise awareness for this issue. Unfortunately, they didn't uh, yeah. put, that, uh, put that message uh, well enough yeah, in the video. Yeah, they didn't quite so. accept uh, uh, Yeslugas' cont contribution well enough. So, no, yeah. uh, and they did indeed a series with other uh, political leaders. For example, D66 leader Rob Jette uh, uh, was uh, going on a run with uh, Olympic uh, gold medalist Daphne Schippers, yeah. and Frans Timmermans. Uh, he uh, stood on the sideline of a soccer match. So. <laughs> he, he could have played darts with uh, Barney or something like that. You know, could have, uh, could have been a bit more active. <laughs> Yeah, they should have done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Much better. Uh, <laughs> Although there've been arguments about whether they whether they should be scoring to twenty thirty five or twenty thirty, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know what kogelstoten is in 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 English, but yeah, I could make it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that, that yeah because shot put, they, 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 exactly. The, the Dutch uh, Olympic, they, they, they've got, we got two finalists in the last uh, shot put uh, World to, uh, final. So, oh, uh, did yeah. we? Oh. Yeah, yeah, for, for the women. So, yeah, he, he could have uh, gone shot putting with them. So, um, 
Uh, yeah, well, that's uh, perhaps if the NOC NSF is listening, they uh, they can uh, make another viral video with uh, with Frans Timmermans because I'm sure um, uh, Frans Timmermans shot putting will be much more interesting to watch or much more fun to watch. Will raise much more views than uh, whatever he did on the soccer field. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Jessica Schilder, she's our top ah. shot putter. So, yeah, we should have Frans Timmermans uh, shot putting with Jessica Schilder. Because it's, it's an event that deserves more uh, more exposure. Yeah, so that's right. Our best yeah. athletes at the moment are shot putters, not sprinters. So. This week, political leaders, almost all of them, held their first televised debates in the wake of the upcoming general election. While Pieter Omtzigt finally started to receive uppercuts from both the right and the left. It's almost as if he was in the ring with Rico Verhoeven. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, accidentally, just as he started to lead in the polls. Uh, with plenty of free time on hand, Prime Minister Mark Rutte spent his week in the Middle East trying to solve the Gaza conflict. A new report suggests that the Netherlands might be safe from climate change. There's a bunch of short news and keep listening to find out if final supporters destroyed ancient Roman fountains again. With less than uh, two weeks to go until the general election on November 22nd, the gloves are finally off. Until now, political leaders wouldn't dare to attack the highly popular Pieter Omtzigt, the leader of newcomer NSC and potential winner of the election. But the opening salvo was finally fired by, uh, quite surprisingly, Laurens Dasse of uh, pan-European party Volt. He said in an interview with NRC on Saturday that with Omtzigt as prime minister, we would take not 20, not 30, but 40 steps back when it comes to the European project. Um, and uh, his attack uh, led to uh, other attacks from yeah. uh, political leaders. He was followed by Henry Bontebal, the leader of CDA, and Omtzigt's uh, former party, of course. And uh, Bontebal warned that uh, people shouldn't trust Omtzigt blindly because he can never fulfill all the promises he is making in areas such as uh, bestaanszekerheid, the security of living, immigration, and administrative reforms. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that one of those moments, you know, when you when you get a new colleague or a new boss, and uh, someone after a couple of weeks finally pops up and says, uh, "I don't really like that person," and everyone <laughs> says, "Finally, somebody said it," you know. <laughs> when uh, when one sheep is over the dam. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. But it was. Uh, I, I guess uh, Lawrence Dassen, uh, because he is leader of Fault, he didn't have much to lose by attacking Omsicht. He's not going to no. shed voters by doing that. So, uh, he was. Uh, yeah, in hindsight, perhaps the obvious candidate to, to do it and of course they're a very progressive party and Omzicht's manifesto is quite conservative um, yeah, so, and, yeah. and, and a lot more European critic than uh, he's than, a very Eurosceptic uh, uh, Omzicht yes he wants all yeah, part yeah, he wants yeah. to restore the national veto for all countries which of course fault basically they want a united Europe so that's going exactly the opposite direction so yeah you can understand why Dustin was the guy who, uh, who, who took the initiative there um, did, you, did you read this interview? I did yes yeah um, did, didn't you uh, did you have to laugh when, when he was asked um, uh, the question uh, how would the Prime Minister of Omtzigt look like and then the I don't know this has started to become a trend I think a newspaper actually writing down what happens after they ask a question and yes, it said yeah. um, uh, 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 Dasse is silent for three minutes <laughs> he started answering and then is silent again <laughs> that <laughs> They did a similar thing with Caroline van der Plas, didn't they? When yeah, uh, they yeah, asked yeah. her about her uh, spending plans and uh, then they described how she shouted over to her campaign manager, uh, Henk van Meer, Henk, quickly Google 20... 20- 
two billion healthcare or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like this uh, this new trend because yeah. it's. Uh, I, I would like to know if there is uh, footage of Lawrence Dasser thinking three minutes uh, about the prime ministership of uh, of uh, of Omtzigt. I would really like to see that. But yeah, so Dasson uh, came out with this uh, in an interview, and uh, yeah, th- th- and then that triggered a kind of uh, little uh, flurry of other avalanche. parties. <laughs> yeah, an avalanche of uh, criticism of Omtzigt from other parties who've been quite tight-lipped about him up till now. Yes, uh, indeed, especially now NSA uh, has taken over the lead in the polls from the VVD. Uh, the VVD is, of course, hammering on Onzicht's uh, apparent indecisiveness. Uh, it took him months, for example, to decide if he would take part in the election at all with a new party. It took him a long time again to come up with the candidate list and his party manifesto as well. And now he can't seem to make up his mind if he will take up the prime ministership when he wins the uh, election. He, yeah, he's, he's uh, a hedger, isn't he, Comsey? This yeah. is his whole problem. He's hedging his bets. He he hedged his bets on whether he should uh, found a new party and join the election. Then he hedged his bets on whether to be prime minister or who should be prime minister. Now he's sort of hedging his bets on what coalition to form, don't uh, isn't he? So uh, uh, yeah. yeah, and 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 that uh, strategy that yeah keep postponing decisions yeah. is was was seen as a way to 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 remain in the spotlights and to be the topic of of all sorts of. Um, uh, 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 speculation and yeah. to 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 uh, attract media attention, um, which in turn leads to higher ratings in the polls, of course. But now the favorite day is really trying to uh, use this a potential strategy as a way to attack him. He is very indecisive. Do we really need that guy as a prime minister? Yeah. Uh, of course, he hasn't said that he will become prime minister, but yeah, it, we might expect that he will do it in the end um, because yeah. every time he raises a question the answer turns out to be yes I will do this yeah but maybe I so far said a lot about what he won't do like you know he says he I think he said in an interview yesterday he still wants to go into he wants to stay in parliament as an MP he feels that's his natural home um, yeah, he he he, um, uh, he has hinted on 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 these sort of things uh, uh, recently as well. Uh, he says that he, he sees his role. Um, he wants to change parliament, for example. He said in a, in an interview, yeah, that suggests that he wants to sit in parliament and change it there. Um, but yeah, you can also uh, change the attitude of your MPs as a party leader in a different capacity. So. I, I, we still have to wait uh, uh, what he will decide. And he has said, I think two days ago, that he is uh, considering uh, to become prime minister, but he has to, uh, uh, on the condition that he can combine it with his family life. He lives, of course, in Enschede, which mm. is in the far east of the Netherlands. Uh, he famously always travels by train and he often complains about his uh, his commute on <laughs> Twitter. Uh, of course, as prime minister, he, he, is, he has a chauffeured car, uh, but still it is a long drive from Enschede to uh, to uh, uh, The Hague. It is, yeah, especially and they haven't built that bypass just outside Deventer yet, right? So, yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. And uh, yeah, Margrethe has set a, a, an, an enormously high standard. Uh, Margrethe, he doesn't have a family, so he could mm. spend his time uh, in the Torrentje 24-7, basically. He seemed to have always been uh, tiredless. Um, yeah. There's an enormous highly sta- high standard set by Margrethe, but yeah, a new prime minister always fills in the role in a different way, right? So yeah, he doesn't have to be a copy of of, of Margaret. I don't think Omtzigt really wants to be that. So hmm. um, yeah, we'll see how. Uh, and we had prime ministers with families before, right? So yeah. Um, where were we? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. uh, but um, yeah, Omtzigt has been asked about potential coalitions, and he did come up with a 
float a possible uh, combination this week, didn't he? Yeah, and that gave uh, especially the left uh, a bit of a scare because uh, yeah, he was asked uh, uh, how would a potential coalition look like, and he named six right-wing parties, including the uh, orth- uh, the Protestant Orthodox SGP and Far Right Ja in het winter. That all added up to 75 seats, so mm. uh, one one. Uh, uh, one less uh, than than, yeah. than a majority in Tweede Kamer, but yeah, it immediately prompted uh, GroenLinks PvdA leader Frans Timmermans to um, to to step in front of a microphone and and say that it is of the utmost importance that he will become the winner of the election because mm. because otherwise Omtzigt will uh, will form a right wing uh, cabinet and that is of course uh, the, the the worst case scenario yeah. for uh, Frans Timmermans. <laughs> Uh, we had uh, the televised debate on Sunday between Omtzigt, Timmermans and Jesselkus, the, the leaders of the three uh, largest parties in the polls. And the VVD leader attacked Omtzigt because he hadn't requested the central planning agency to calculate the macroeconomic effects of his manifesto. We will talk about that later uh, in hmm. the podcast. Omtzigt uh, rightfully and understandably said that uh, yeah, he missed the deadline because yeah, he didn't have a manifesto w- yet when the deadline was. But he did promise to include an extra financial appendix to his manifesto. But he, also, he, all, he uh, again made a U-turn earlier this week uh, about this promise. And yeah, you really see that the VVD is using these sort of things because Omtzigt's... Um, 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 his um, uh, image is that he always, uh, in, in debates, he's always asking for more information, mm. more details. Yes, more details. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm missing this, this, uh, this page in this, uh, yeah. in this document. <laughs> Where is it? I need it because otherwise I cannot uh, uh, check the, the government um, uh, well enough. Mm. This, this focus on details is really a... a, a, a um, it's the thing people associate, it's the thing people associate with Omzicht, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and it's really yeah. his hallmark. Yeah. Uh, 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 thorough on the details, yeah. uh, knowing everything, and then, yeah, when it's he doesn't, ho- ho- he's not holding himself to his own standards. According yeah, exactly. To the his manifesto is uh, quite light on detail. Um, yeah, things like uh, you know, he won't say how much you'll raise a minimum wage by, for example, and uh, yeah, that th- th- that is starting to come up a lot uh, in the debates. Yeah, yeah um, and that contrast, and the VVD is of course making this contrast between. Um, uh, yeah, what he's always saying in Parliament compared to uh, what he's doing now and what he's writing, what he's saying in this campaign. Yeah. So and they're really trying to, to use his good qualities against him. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we're starting to have um, the, the debates now. We're really getting into the campaign debate season. Uh, what have been the highlights so far? On Friday, we had a uh, two and a half hour long debate on Radio One, in which sixteen political leaders. We uh, I just received my my ballot paper in the mail list. It's enormous, and yeah. Uh, yeah so sixteen political leaders, which all need to be invited because they have seats in Parliament, right? So yeah. uh, they are already established political parties. Uh, they participated in this debate, and the big absentee was of course Pieter Omzicht, who decided to give a lecture in uh, in Deventer. Yeah. He has the 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 enormous luxury to. To, uh, cherry pick events, campaign events, right? Smaller political parties or yeah. uh, recently formed political parties, they really have to beg to, to, to participate in these sort of uh, media events. But he has the luxury to say, yeah, I, don't, I really don't want to. You wonder when this uh, lecture was uh, was planned, but uh, yeah, you, you could easily have said, uh, look, there's an election. There's a election campaign on under lead with the biggest party in the opinion polls. Perhaps we should postpone this. So the fact he 
Yeah. 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 Well, it's, his, it's his own offence. It was his, yeah. own, his own decision. It was, yeah, it was, yeah. decided to give this, to, to, to press ahead with this lecture. Um, I think, uh, yeah. So it, says, it tells you how uh, tightly Omzik is micromanaging this campaign, really, picking and choosing where, where he appears um, and, and, and the timetable. And of course, this whole thing about when he publishes manifesto and when he announced he was publishing his manifesto during the uh, collegiator debate. I think this also taps into his image as a very independent person. He yeah. is the one who decides whenever he does something. He did that in Parliament when he was still a member of the CDA faction, and yeah. he continues to do that now he has his own party. I think that resonates with uh, um, yeah, the image people has have of uh, of, of Peter Omzicht. Yeah, but he, he um, uh, yeah he he doesn't dance to anybody else's tune. Uh, yeah, no, but there's no, nice, yeah. No. The start of the debate, the, the moderator said that uh, Omzicht had a uh, had a fungsy elders uh, that evening. So, no, and um, a uh, an appointment, uh, an appointment uh, elders, yeah, an Aspark yeah, elders, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Peter Omzicht uh, announced uh, last night at the Op1 talk show that he has the sincere preference to become the faction leader of NSA in the Tweede Kamer, which still leaves a bit, little bit of room for the prime ministership, <laughs> of course, because he ha- it's a preference, it's yeah. not, a, not a promise. He, he wants to give uh, voters some clarity, but yeah, I still think that he's not giving, he's not giving so any clarity, clarity at all. Here. But then he also said, I think, he couldn't see the prime minister being the leader of a smaller coalition party. So um, I, I guess that could mean that if uh, Faith Dane and NSA get roughly the same number of seats, and he could say, oh, well, they're not a small coalition party, so it could still be the leader of the Faith Day. It's all very ambiguous, yeah. and uh, he's behaving a bit like the Oracle at Delphi at the moment. And also, yeah, if, if he says he doesn't want to become the prime minister, who is going to be exactly. the prime minister for NSA? So it's still, uh, still no clarity from, uh, from Peter Omtzigt. It's going to be Steph Block, wouldn't it? In, <laughs> in the Brexit market costume. Yeah, uh, where was I again? Yeah, yeah. And we uh, in that debate, we also uh, we all had a déjà vu when uh, Dylan Yesogus uh, clashed with PVV leader Geert Wilders over immigration, a repetition of the endless debates we've seen between Rutte and Wilders in the past decade. Um, Yesogus has flirted with the PVV. She said that we, we might be open uh, to, to work together to cooperate with the mm-hmm. PVV, which was always excluded uh, explicitly by Mark Rutte. Um, so that was, uh, but she sort of also uh, came back from that. And uh, in, in that debate, it was really clear that yeah, she was extremely annoyed by Geert Wilders and she later said that, um, yeah, I don't really see any opening or any um, uh, possibility of, of cooperating with him. So uh, she, she she made a small U-turn um, uh, from that. Yeah. Um, and also uh, there were some eyebrows raised when Timmermans left the debate early. Uh, um, apparently because he had a meeting with the German Chancellor Olaf Scholz but that was the next day so why yes. he had to leave early that was <laughs> yeah. a bit odd yeah uh, he's, 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 he's just trying to play the statesman there wasn't he yeah exactly and yeah. and he has to do that because Dylan Yesogus was uh, invited to the Elysee Palace uh, uh, by the French president Emmanuel Macron a week yeah. earlier so he's really doing his best to, uh, to, 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 to have meetings with the same uh, sort of uh, European leaders and uh, he wasn't welcomed at the Bundeskanzlerei but at the 
party uh, office of the SPD. So yeah, that uh, okay. uh, it wasn't such a prominent welcome from no, no, it wasn't from quite as glamorous, not quite as prestigious, was it? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No. yeah I, 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 the, and did you did you see the photo of of uh, Schultz's office? He had an enormous pretzel standard. Uh, ah, I didn't see that. No, <laughs> there were dozens of pretzels hanging from them, and you saw. I I, I saw that Franz Timmermans <laughs> was looking at the pretzels. Uh, yeah, a bit yeah, too, he was, uh, he was eyeing those eagerly. pretzels with his mouth watering. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Just to be clear, the pretzels weren't weren't filled with uh, patisserie and, uh, and, and 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 topped with icing, right? I just want to <laughs> get that image out of my head. <laughs> no, 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 no. As a, as a welcome. Yeah, I just wanted to pick up on one thing I noticed. Uh, noticed from that debate was there a series of mini debates, head-to-head -head debates between party leaders, and one was between Rob Yetten and uh, and Geert Wilders. And I think the issue was, um, you know, uh, the, the the question was uh, was about uh, that people were fed up with personal attacks and uh, um, party leaders constantly backfighting uh, uh, um, against each other. And immediately Yetten launched into a personal attack on Geert Wilders, which I thought was quite amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. Uh, yeah. I have to say the the I, I always like the Radio One debate because it is uh, it has a nice pace, I guess. Yeah. And uh, yeah, even though you see sixteen uh, leaders, they they are all uh, always grouped in, a, in 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 smaller groups of four. Um, so it is. It, I think it's useful to watch. It's uh, you can watch it entirely on YouTube. You can even put on, yes, on the YouTube, subtitles. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I caught um, up with it on YouTube this week. I have to say. Yeah, you can yeah. even turn on the subtitles because it is a, a debate uh, organized by the public broadcaster. You can also even translate that mm. to English. So if you want to see some faces uh, with the names, uh, of course, 60 names are difficult to uh, to uh, um, to remember. Uh, yeah. It is a nice nice way to uh, to get uh, to get to know uh, the new political leaders, and uh, they also um, divided it nicely in chapters. So if you have a topic yeah. that you not particularly interested in you can easily switch to to the next one you can skip yeah on sunday uh, the leaders of the three largest party already said that uh, met for the first uh, big televised debates on rtl4 it was announced beforehand as a debate between potential prime ministers but yeah awkwardly enough omzicht repeated that he still hadn't decided if he wants if he wants the job or not so not entirely a, a prime minister debate yeah um, and if you haven't noticed it already uh, it became very clear in in this debate that Peter Omzicht's NSA is really a center party. On certain topics he agreed with uh, Timmermans, for example, when it comes to social issues, uh, raising the, the minimum wage, for example. Uh, he agreed with uh, with Labour and, uh, and the left-wing alliance. But on other topics, uh, especially immigration and uh, taxes, uh, he felt more at home by uh, Yesogus Fever Day yeah. party. Yeah, although Yesogus um, has also said the Fever Day wants to raise the minimum wage, but she wouldn't say how much by. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So um, and, and there is an agreement that minimum wage should be raised. It yeah. just uh, about how much is uh, is of course the the main topic of uh, of discussion. Yeah. Um, there was also an interesting, remarkable moment when Timmermans dropped. Uh, seemingly out of the blue, the 2030 deadline for cutting nitrogen emissions by half. Uh, and that's in co direct contradiction uh, with his own party manifesto. And yeah. uh, the deadline was, of course, one of the main topics of disagreement with the former cabinet. Mm -hmm. And this sudden change wasn't welcomed by the GroenLinks side of the left-wing alliance. Um, uh, Jesse Klaver immediately uh, released an issue, uh, released a statement on Twitter saying that uh, that's definitely not the case. 2030 is holy if it comes to him and uh, his uh, his MPs as well. Um, and 
stickstoff nitrogen isn't really a campaign issue so i th- thought it was a bit bit uh, um, weird that Timmermans would bring this bring this up, and it also clearly uh, another point of division between the two parties, uh, 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 which is forming the alliance Timmermans is leading. Another mm. uh, of this issue was the was the was the response of the to the Gaza conflict, for example. So um, you see a lot of friction in this uh, newly formed alliance, and yeah, uh, I I wonder how long it will last because. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, um, yeah, it's an easy partnership, isn't it? I mean, I think this was Tim yeah. Mons, a bit of Tim Mons of uh, bowing to the inevitable here. I think he realizes that this 2030 deadline isn't going to hold. He's, he's going to, he would have to, if he got into coalition talks, he would almost certainly have to sacrifice it, uh, not least because uh, the Farmers Party, the BBB, um, even if they're not in the coalition, uh, they will still be, have a big say in the direction of the future government because they have the biggest party in the Senate. And they also have uh, quite pointedly, uh, they campaigned against the 2030 deadline during the provincial elections and then in the provincial uh, government uh, coalition deals they, 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 they made a point of saying 2035 is the deadline not 2030 so 2030 is kind of dead in the water so maybe Timmermans thought this is just a bit of preemptive um, uh, concessions here in uh, towards trying to uh, curry favour with the other two parties so these boost the chance of getting in a coalition but it also shows him in quite a weak position I think I think it sort of shows that he's really looking at the polls and thinking he's he's not the chance of him coming out on top uh, are receding and therefore he's going to enter coalition potentially as a junior partner and therefore he's making himself more appealing more palatable to the other two that was how i read it hmm. yeah yeah i thought uh, the i mean the time for concessions and to compromises is after the election you i guess think so. uh, yeah yeah so uh, i i didn't really i i understand uh, uh, your line of reasoning i just don't understand the timing yeah. uh, especially also because it causes a lot of friction in uh, in his alliance um, yeah, exactly. so yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll see how this will uh, will uh, pan out we mentioned the opinion polls there, and uh, the latest polls suggest that the two frontrunners, NSA and Fefe Day, have opened up a lead on the left-wing bloc led by Franz Timmermans. According to the Peilingweiser, which is the poll of polls run by Leiden University professor Tom Lauerser, Peter Omzicht's party is on course to win between 25 and 31 seats, while Dylan Jesselkers and the Fefe Day would win somewhere between 26 and 30, and Koenig's Fefe Day have slipped back a little to 21 to 25 seats. The far-right Fefe Fe, led by Geert Wilders, is kind of stuck on 16 to 20. No party is likely to get more than 20% of the vote, and a coalition of big three would still just have uh, have just about enough seats to win a majority. Uh, further down the order, the most eye-catching trend uh, is the continued decline of the Bay Bay Bay, the Farmers' Party. Yeah. Before Omzicht entered the race in August, uh, they were projected to win around 20 seats. Uh, that's now down to nine. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Be- it's not going in the right direction for them. Yeah. They're in the single digits, so uh, yeah. no, they are... They are they are in a uh, in a downward spiral it seems yes, um, and is there any movement along the smaller parties because we have a lot of them. We have a big uh, closing pack, and yeah, the BBB is kind of getting swallowed up into that now. Uh, no one else is more likely to win more than 10 seats. I think we've seen a little bit of a recovery, possibly by Dezes and Zestuch in the last couple yeah. of weeks. Uh, they're up to around eight seats now, so they're closing in on the BBB, uh, although when the government fell, they were on 11. But that might explain part of where Timmermans' votes are going, and if that is the case, and that's, I think, that his pledge to scrap 2030 deadline could be bad news, because the one party that still has 2030 in its manifesto is Dezes and Zestuch. So if you're mm. a Kuhn-Links voter, and you really want to see the government get a move on on climate change 
then yeah that that that's i think a, a factor that's going to weigh on your decision yeah. um otherwise uh, everyone's mostly the same although dink have picked up a little uh, they could potentially get a fourth seat they're probably the one party whose fortunes could be influenced by the israel gaza conflict because that yeah. is such a big issue obviously among the uh, dutch and turkish um, the dutch turkish and dutch moroccan populations uh, yeah, and they are extremely loud on this topic right exactly. so yeah there yeah. is uh, this will uh, probably benefit them uh, yeah, yeah yeah i think so uh, and Yain and Twintich are continuing to unravel, which is uh, bad news for OMSIC's hopes of a right-wing coalition. At the start of this year, they were on 6.5% of the vote, which is worth around sort of, yeah, 10 to 12 seats. Uh, and that's now slumped to 1.2%, which means that uh, yeah, Joost Erdmans, who's currently now the only Yain Twintich MP, would uh, retain his seat, but they wouldn't win any others. Yeah, two of his MPs uh, switched sides to the yeah, to Baby, Baby Bay, Bay. right yeah. right before the uh, right after the summer recess. Yes, um, and uh, the other the, the second candidate is Annabel Nanninga. She is currently a uh, or, or actually she she resigned from the Amsterdam City Council this week. Yeah. And um, Amsterdam Mayor Femke Halsma really had the funniest goodbye speech for her uh, prepared. So um, it's uh, it is in Dutch, unfortunately, but yeah, mm. if you can understand it, then uh, it's. <laughs> definitely <laughs> worth watching it because it was very humorous, I thought. Um, and INO Research also drilled down into the survey to see how things might change in the next uh, one and a half weeks. Yeah, yeah, just just under two weeks. Um, yeah, according to INO, um, Peter Omsic's party still has the biggest growth potential, which I think is interesting, because he's already uh, taking a lead. Uh, more than a third of voters are still considering voting for him, uh, compared to around a quarter for the other two. Uh, the Fefe Day have the most committed voters, around 6% say they'll definitely back them, compared to 4% uh, for Fefe Day, sorry, for Paid uh, Fiat, Hoonlinks, and uh, NSA, uh, but they have the smallest growth potential. Uh, the survey also shows that Omsicht is the highest rated leader. He scores an average 7 among all voters. Uh, Jesselgus is, uh, scores 6 and Timmermans is lagging along behind a little bit on 5, although his rating is much higher among left-wing voters. And there's also a burial divide on the issues. Uh, overall, housing is now the most important issue for voters. Uh, we haven't, mm. seen, haven't seen a lot about housing in the campaign debates, right? It's, uh, hasn't yeah, been... you saw Henry Bontebal all of a sudden mentioning the hypothekerente aftrack, yeah. even though it is, uh, I think it is scrapped at the end of this year. So I don't. That was also always a big topic in the, in, in the past twenty years, I think, in elections. Yep. But yeah, it hasn't really been an election theme um, for yeah at least this election. So I was really cur- It was a re- bit curious why he would bring that up. Yeah. Um, but Bad yeah, person. otherwise, otherwise you you see it's not 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 really debated as much as you would think. Yeah. No. But no. It's, it's a similar thing with healthcare, right? That's yeah. also one of the main topics uh, voters are uh, are caring about. And yeah, that's also a topic that almost seems to be. Uh, yeah, ignored. Yeah, kind of absent from debates. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, healthcare is a big issue. Migration is the third biggest issue, which of course we have seen a lot of uh, in the debates. Uh, immigration is a much bigger issue for right-wing voters, while for left-wing voters, climate change is a priority. So again, mm. that whole uh, business of uh, Timmermans uh, scrapping the 2030 deadline uh, perhaps is uh, going to influence how voters on the left, uh, which parts of them would the left uh, root for. Uh, and the conflict in Israel and Palestine, which is uh, has been mentioned a lot in debates, isn't a big vote winner except for potential Denk voters, as we mentioned. Mm. Uh, around yeah. 55% of their supporters say they back Denk's uh, very um, vocal, um, strident pro-Palestinian stance. Uh, but um, yeah, around a third of um, uh, Dutch citizens of uh, Turkish and Moroccan origin said the conflict was an important election issue, but only 3% of the total population uh, said it was a factor. 
And also, we've had a survey of Dutch news readers. Uh, and I have to say, uh, that if, 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 if Dutch news readers had their way, we'd have a much more straightforward election contest because their PvdA Yahoon links would be the biggest party. They take thirty-five percent. They got thirty-five percent support in that survey, oh, which wow. uh, would win them about fifty-two seats, I think, if my maths is right. Um, that's like a old, old, old school um, like the election old days, victories, yeah. yeah. And they yeah. they could form a coalition with Dezus and Zesta because they get they, they they got seventeen percent support. Uh, so okay, uh, yeah. yeah. So give Dutch news readers a vote, and uh, we'll have a much uh, a new government much faster. I think it's a lesson of that. Um, yeah, and uh, I, I mentioned the uh, central planning agency earlier, the CPB. Um, it's a t- it's a typically Dutch phenomenon, I think, right? Uh, yeah. c- could you tell us what 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 these uh, CPB doorrekeningen, uh, koopkrachtplaatjes, <laughs> what's that all about? Yeah, uh, is indeed that comes in as well. The CPB is the Economic Planning Agency. I think the official English title is the Netherlands uh, Bureau of Economic uh, Policy Analysis. And uh, they every election they invite the parties to submit their so manifestos, they- and they will basically try and add up. Uh, exactly what effect they will have on economic policy and the economic figures and the economic forecasts and they'll compare them against what they call the baseline scenario is what the current government's plans uh, would uh, effect they would have on things like the budget deficit the national debt unemployment and so on uh, and this uh, time it's become a bit more of a controversial issue in the last couple of elections right i mean some yeah. parties have started uh, saying we don't want to submit to the cpb and the latest Excuse that uh, a lot of parties gave was that they're they're, they're modelling their uh, their approach is too neoliberal. It's too focused on monetary issues. But they are called the Economic Planning Agency for a reason. Yeah. Right? So I don't know. Yeah. Well, so respect. Anyway, uh, Peter Omzicht NSC uh, was one of the parties that didn't uh, submit to CPB. As we mentioned earlier, Peter Omzicht uh, said that the deadline came too soon. But other parties who refused were the PFFA, the BBB, and the Socialist Party, the SP. Um, yeah, uh, all the parties who did submit, the eight, there were eight parties altogether, uh, including the PFDA Hun Links, the only one actually of the, to the, of the top five parties in the opinion polls who did. Um, uh, all those parties uh, were f- fairly happy with the outcome. Um, the CPB said none of them would make the economic picture any worse, even though quite a lot of them have got quite big spending plans, but they've also got quite big taxation plans to fund them. Um, yeah, Dylan Yeselgers said it showed that the Day was prepared to invest in the police and defence while making hard choices elsewhere, uh, while other parties um, uh, said it showed their plans were affordable, although nobody is, plan- is uh, advocating big spending cuts, even though uh, the cost of borrowing has gone up a lot in the last year as the European Central Bank has raised interest rates and Sigrid Kach said uh, when she produced the spring budget statement that uh, there would have to be some budget cuts further down the line because we can't borrow money for free any longer. One of the biggest contrasts in tax distribution Hunix uh, PFDA and the Chrysanuni uh, want to cut taxes on income by a big margin uh, to, um, mainly to relieve uh, the tax burden on lower and middle income earners and they want to compensate by raising wealth taxes and corporation taxes. The PFDA and CDA would increase work and income tax uh, but by much smaller by smaller Amounts, but also barely touch wealth or corporation taxes. Fault would be the biggest spenders. They'd double public spending from this current yeah. level, uh, but they'd also raise a lot more in corporation tax. Uh, that would increase a budget deficit to around 5%, uh, compared to just under 3% uh, for Fefede and CDR, according to a separate analysis by former CPB economist Vim Sauker. 
Yeah, uh, he was a, he's a retired uh, CPB economist, and he yeah. um, he he made these calculations uh, 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 of the parties that didn't submit their party manifesto to the official CPB, even though they have teams of 40, 50 people working on that. This this retired guy can do it all yeah. in, in, in himself. He's got a bit of time uh, in his hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, apparently yes. Um, it has to be said that um, yeah, there's a lot of cri- criticism on these CPB calculations. Uh, a lot of parties uh, say that you know whenever whenever there is a good outcome, uh, they say, oh look at look at how well we are doing, uh, or how well we are going to do. And when it's a little bit bad, they say, yeah, you shouldn't take these models too seriously yes, because it's exactly, only an yeah. economic model and uh, it never goes according to plan. So um, uh, everyone can cherry pick uh, from these uh, from these uh, from these calculations. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, whenever they are criticized on certain uh, outcomes, uh, they say, yeah, it's not the entire picture. Look at this and that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's something that's useful because it, it forces parties to uh, think about the uh, bigger economic picture of their plans, I think. Uh, but at the same time, you shouldn't um, yeah, uh, follow it blindly because, again, it's only a model. But yeah, it is it is useful, but don't take it too seriously. Yeah, but you shouldn't dismiss it entirely as well, is yeah. my very nuanced, uh, <laughs> very nuanced uh, approach. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a, it, it is one way of holding the government and the parties, well, the parties actually, the one way of holding the parties to account. Um, and uh, it's a bit yeah. of a uh, exercise. Also, the government, because the CPB always does it for the for the for the printing stuff budget. For oh, example, yeah, well, it's required well. to do that for printing stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, yeah absolutely. Yeah, and you see, and, and that's why they're able to compare their forecast based on printing stuff with yeah. the effect of the party's manifestos. So the real value on it is that you can see exactly. You look at uh, what the current government is doing and how much will change if you vote for a different party and it, it, it calculates things like the impact on poverty so um, some parties would have a dr- manifesto sort of a drastic impact on poverty and child poverty uh, yeah in a 20 I think we're actually going to we're actually going to increase poverty in the, oh, <laughs> according oh, to the yeah. PSAPB so uh, <laughs> but yeah but it's good to see but everything is calculated to one tenth of a percentage and I think you've got to take that with a bit of a pinch of salt definitely yeah. but it is yeah, but yeah. it does give you an idea an, an overall sort of general picture of uh, what yeah what, what, what sort of um, um, uh, effect these manifestos would have yeah. uh, what the parties yeah. are planning yeah and uh, this uh, it's also interesting that Wim Suiker the retired uh, CPB economist he also calculated the NSA party manifesto and uh, it didn't show two big changes but he did say that a lot of the bigger plans weren't worked out in detail enough to make fair yeah. uh, assessment and therefore um, it can be expected that uh, yeah his um, uh, the government spending will will uh, will increase much much uh, a lot more than uh, than his calculations show yeah but he did all the parties said that uh, have a remote transfer seat right including Belang van Anel by Wiebe van Hacher and he worked out that yeah. they would uh, um, inflate the budget deficit to something like 10 percent it was incredible it was incredible yes <laughs> and uh, it's uh, confirmed that you shouldn't take this party too serious <laughs> but uh, his number two uh, proves that already yeah Prime Minister Mark Rutte has had a short meeting with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu in Tel Aviv on Wednesday as part of a second whirlwind tour of the Middle East. Rutte said he repeated the importance of a proportionate response to the Hamas attacks of October 7th 
In addition, he has spoke with the Israeli Prime Minister about humanitarian access and sending relief supplies to Gaza. Earlier, Rutte was in Qatar for talks on the situation in Gaza at the invitation of the Emir, who is looking at a number of scenarios for short breaks in the fighting. And uh, yeah, the Emir really has a crucial role in the process, um, according to uh, geopolitical analysts. If this is to lead to anything, it cannot be done in the public eye, Rutte was quoted by the NOS. Rutte said he also spoke by phone to Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas about our efforts and those of many others to get more humanitarian aid to Gaza residents. And yesterday it was announced that Rutte has sent an invitation to Abbas to come to The Hague to discuss the conflict and to find a long-term solution. Do we think uh, Rutte's uh, Middle East tour has anything to do with his uh, uh, ambitions to become, for example, the NATO Secretary General? You might say that. I couldn't yeah. possibly comment. Uh, yeah, it, it is striking, isn't it? He's suddenly playing the world statesman. No, he's got time in his hands, I guess. He's not involved in the election campaign. So. Tweede Kamer is with recess. Yeah, it's yeah, a good opportunity yeah. to go off. Uh, showed that he's got contacts uh, all over the world on both sides. Uh, you know, so someone mentioned this week to me that uh, they think Rutte is the only world leader who has been speaking to Netanyahu and Abbas. Um, See, so trying to trying to promote his status as a Dutch leader, as someone who's a bridge builder who can connect and find common ground with two sides who are diametrically opposed, and that would fit with uh, if he is deciding or got in the back of his mind that perhaps he'd like to take over from Jens Stoltenberg at NATO when he steps down next autumn. It's a bit not done to express your wish to, uh, to for these kind of international jobs, right? So, no. so out in the open. So uh, He said he was also interested in the uh, presidency of the European Commission and the chair of the uh, European Council. Uh, but it both had downsides. For example, the first one uh, is part-time and he doesn't want to work part-time and the, because, yeah, he is a workaholic, of yeah. course. And the, and the second one also had, I think they usually don't go for a liberal politician with these kind of jobs. But uh, those two had uh, some downsides and he uh, he thought uh, the Secretary General uh, of NATO was uh, was best suited yeah, for Yeah, could he still combine that with uh, teaching one day a week at uh, the Johann de Witt College? I don't know. Well, not teaching, of course, being a classroom assistant, uh, you've discovered. Yeah, we had The Hague, Brussels. It's a two, three-hour drive, so perhaps he can combine it. But mm. uh, uh, and of course, there's a NATO uh, uh, office in The Hague as well, yes, right? Yeah. I think, yeah. yeah. In the so he could, well, he, could work, he could work remotely one day a week. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Meanwhile, yes. Speaking of a defence, the Dutch Navy has been calling to action in the Gaza conflict, right? Yeah, the Netherlands is sending uh, the Navy ship HMNLS Holland to the eastern Mediterranean in readiness for the possible humanitarian relief effort in Gaza. Uh, the naval vessel can provide support in case of an evacuation from the region, but it can also contribute to the formation of, uh, for example, a maritime corridor to send humanitarian aid to Gaza, uh, Defense Minister Kaiser Alongren announced. The vessel is expected to leave the Netherlands in the middle of this month and arrive uh, in the region by the end of November. Uh, the Holland, however, has a limited cargo capacity but bigger Navy ships are currently unavailable, which shows uh, the state of, uh, of, of the Dutch Navy, uh, to be honest. A lot of the larger transport ships are uh, undergoing repairs or have some technical issues. So uh, this is the best thing the Netherlands can, uh, can offer. Yeah, but the Dutch government's also been criticized for supplying Israel with components for fighter jets this week. Yeah, uh, NSA revealed this week that the cabinet hasn't blocked the delivery of F-35 fighter jets parts from a Dutch warehouse in Woensrecht, despite concerns by civil servants of the Foreign Office that the bombardments of Gaza might breach international law. The components were ordered by Israel in the wake of the October 7th attack by Hamas terrorists. Uh, Foreign Affairs Minister Hanke Bruinslot and Foreign Trade Minister Liesje Schreinemacher were informed 
informed of the delivery, but they didn't intervene. Officials advised against intervention because blocking the delivery would potentially harm relations with Israel and the United States, and perhaps also um, would spoil Rutte's uh, efforts on the international stage. Uh, but human rights lawyer and uh, the University of Amsterdam international law professor Lisbeth Segveld said in the article of NSA that the Dutch government is potentially complicit in a war crime under Article 8 of the Rome Statute. So um, there's a, a fine line that, yeah. that the Netherlands is currently walking. Uh, and the treaty um, is, of course, established by the International Criminal Court in The Hague, ironically enough. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So we could see Mark Ritter sent to The Hague. You'd have to cycle there every morning. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a short cycle to the International <laughs> Court, yes. Yeah. Next, he so, lives in that area of town, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, indeed, yeah. So uh, he will be there before his apple is finished. uh, (laughs) We've reached that point in the podcast again where we take a few minutes to celebrate our magnificent and generous patrons whose hard-earned euros help us to help you keep up with the election campaign, the latest cricket scores, and anything else going on here in the Netherlands. We've recently set up four tiers of membership after Patreon decided to mess with their donation model. All of them offer exactly the same benefits, uh, namely a shout-out to say thank you, access to all our bonus content, uh, with the crucial difference that Grachtegordel uh, patrons, that's the top tier, get an extra vote in the upcoming and illustrious Opf of the Year awards. So if you are minded to join our select band of patrons, you can do so by becoming a Kinderdag patron for one euro, but if you're willing and able to stretch uh, just a little bit more, then there are other options available. This week we have five patrons to welcome, so thank you to uh, Yekaterina, to uh, Nicholas Resch, to Beth Alexander, to Rebecca, and to Turid Herland. Uh, I hope I've pronounced all those uh, correctly. Thank you all very much. Yeah, indeed. And uh, thank you everyone else uh, for your continued support. If you don't have any questions or comments or uh, yeah, explanations from people this week, uh, but do feel free to uh, hit us with your questions if you like. Um, and if anyone else... I think we have a lot to explain uh, with all the Tom Post variants, yeah. Uh, but if anyone else uh, would like to become a patron of the Dutch News Podcast and get access to things like our, the five-part series on the parties, if you're a new first-time voter, perhaps, then you can do so by logging on to www.patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, slash Dutch News NL. The Netherlands will probably have the technical means to cope with the rise in sea levels up to 3 meters. However, this will take a thorough and costly overhaul of the country's dikes, according to a report commissioned by the Infrastructure Ministry and the Delta Commission in charge of coastal defense. In order to tackle a 3 meter rise, some dikes will need to be widened by around 90 meters, which will not always be possible in existing urban situations. You live in The Hague, for example, uh, how are you going to fit a 90 meter widening of the dikes? Well, we've got the dunes, they're more than 90 meters wide, so uh, yeah. I see some environmentalists uh, uh, protesting against these plans already. Yeah. A rise of one meter will make it necessary to strengthen uh, only 2,100 kilometers of dikes uh, and coastal defense infrastructure, the report said. The Netherlands will need four times more sand than currently is being extracted from the North Sea. So now I understand why Rutte was uh, so keen to go to Qatar this week. (laughs) I think he was just going to arrange uh, some sand deliveries from there. Yeah, Yeah, import some more sand. The report is based on the Dutch Weather Bureau's Academy's latest climate scenarios, which show that sea level rise cannot be predicted with any certainty, as much depends on the amount of global greenhouse gas emissions and the rate of ice mass loss in, for example, the Antarctic. 
In the worst case scenario, the North Sea will rise by 1 to 2 meters in this century and by 3 to 5 meters in around 2150, the Academy said earlier this year. But uh, we shouldn't be just sitting back and uh, relaxing behind our dikes, right? No, because uh, strengthening the country's coastal defense system will also have uh, a lot of negative consequences. A solid coastal defense will cause other water-related problems. Uh, It will become increasingly difficult to discharge river water into the sea, necessitating giant pumps. According to Maarten Kleinhans, he's the Utrecht University professor of physical geography. The land below the dikes will be... uh, relatively deeper, of course, with rising sea levels, so that makes it harder to get rid of rainwater. And pumping will also extract more salt water, which is uh, detrimental to agriculture. And a lack of fresh water in rivers because uh, of a shortage of rainfall is also a threat. Uh, The problem is only being looked from a technical point of view in the report, but um, yeah, it needs to be addressed from all different sides. And building a solid wall of coastal defenses is not necessarily the best option, he said. I think we're fixing the problem with the shortage of rainfall in the last couple of weeks um, because it just just hasn't (laughs) stopped raining. So that uh, threat seems to have receded for the time being. Sports news now and the Dutch cricket team's chances of qualifying for the Champions Trophy suffered a setback as they lost to plucky underdogs England on Tuesday. England, who've had a disastrous World Cup tournament, uh, began the match bottom of the table, having lost all but one of their matches so far. The only team they've beaten was Bangladesh. They won the toss and elected to bat, and although the Dutch bowlers reduced them to 192 for six midway through the innings, England found a second wind and finished on 339 for nine, which is their second highest total of the tournament helped by a sentry by Ben Stokes. In reply, the Dutch uh, never really got going. Max O'Dowd and Colin Ackerman were dismissed early as the top order were once again unable to lay a foundation. And although four batsmen got over 30, topped by Teja Niedermanuru's unbeaten 41, which included three sixes, they petered out to 179 to complete a 160-run loss. Even more disappointing was the defeat to Afghanistan on Saturday. For once, the men in orange started well, hitting 66 in the first 10 overs for the loss of just one wicket, but then the middle order collapsed, slumping to 97 for 5, and they were eventually bowled out for 179. Four of the batsmen run out, including top scorer Siebrand Engelbrecht for 58, and Afghanistan strolled to their target with more than 18 overs to spare, So for all the heroics and uh, the general admiration the team has won out in India, the Dutch look likely to finish bottom of the group and miss out on a coveted spot uh, at the Champions Trophy in 2025. Their last match is against the red-hot title favourites India, who've won all eight matches on home turf against the higher-ranked teams. But the tournament has raised awareness of cricket in the Netherlands, and the team will hope the experience will boost the popularity of the sport. Guido Lantier, chairman of the Dutch Cricket Association, KNCB, said, People are talking about cricket again, and that hasn't happened in years. KNCB, it looks like the sport equivalent of uh, NSA. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) All these abbreviations uh, look similar. So um, our other national sports, uh, there's also some news about that, right? Uh, Yeah, football. Uh, Topsy-turvy kind of week in the Champions League uh, because PSV, who the team have been doing less well so far, they managed their first win in four attempts in the group stages. Luc de Jong's header was enough to overcome French side Lens in Eindhoven. And that was good enough to propel PSV into second place in their group behind Arsenal and three points ahead of their next opponents, Sevilla. Meanwhile, Feyenoord, who were doing quite well up till now, they lost 1-0 to Lazio in Rome. Hmm. Uh, but luckily, the, the fountains were, or were safe because uh, Feyenoord supporters had been banned uh-huh. from travelling to Rome 
In fact, they've played, I think, three matches in Rome in the last two seasons. Yeah. And uh, their travelling fans haven't been welcomed because, of course, last time they went to the Italian capital, they trashed all of the uh, historic fountains. And, uh, yeah. Yes, including one by uh, by Bernini, right? So uh, Exactly, yeah. Didn't go down at all well with the Italians. Is Lazio the fascist uh, uh, football team of Rome? Yeah, they're or is the team the with, the, with the fascist fans. Ah, yeah. 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 So Rotterdam isn't, isn't welcome uh, by the fascists. Yep. Yeah, Rotterdam's been cancelled by the, the far right. The, the, the Stadio Olimpico hasn't been happy hunting ground for the Rotterdammers in recent years, and uh, despite dominating possession, they were caught on the break by Tiro Immobile just before half-time when he proved to be not at all immobile. He sprung the offside trap and rounded Justin Bailo to score the only goal. That leaves Feyenoord in third place in their group, behind Lazio and Atletico Madrid. Atletico hammered Celtic 6-0 in their next matches in Rotterdam, where they could seal qualification. Ari Slot, the head coach, was also critical at the weekend of his star striker, Santiago Jimenez, in what was uh, probably the highlight of the weekend. Jimenez attempted a Panenka penalty. That's one of those ones where he sort of chipped the ball very delicately over the goalkeeper. Unfortunately, he didn't chip it delicately. He ballooned it over the crossbar. And uh, Jimenez <laughs> said he'd been planning for months uh, to uh, perform a Panenka, but uh, yeah, it all went horribly wrong. And uh, Slot uh, said uh, he wasn't aware that uh, the striker had that in his mind and he would have tried mm. to talk him out of it. Uh, luckily, Feyenoord still managed to beat AKC Valvike 2-1, and uh, they're now level on points as Azat Alkmaar and FC Twente. Uh, all those clubs are seven points behind PSV, who made it 11 wins out of 11 matches with a 6-0 thrashing of Heracles. Meanwhile, Ajax uh, in nosebleed territory now. They're up to the giddy heights of 11th place uh, after they beat Herofane 4-1. Hmm. But it wasn't uh, so happy for them in the Europa League. They lost uh, 2-0 in the Johan Cruyff Arena to uh, the mighty Brighton and Hove Albion. So that leaves them bottom of their group. In the Conference League, AZ Alkmaar are on the brink of elimination as well after they lost 2-1 to another English team, Aston Villa. Some uh, short news now, beginning with uh, a ban on mobile phones in schools. Education Minister Marielle Paul announced this week that it wants to stop secondary school children to take phones into class, and this might be extended to cover primary and special schools as well. Research has shown that uh, the presence of mobile phones in classrooms reduced the average test score by 1 to 1.5 points. The ban will not be enshrined in law, but the Education Ministry will come with a set of guidelines that will uh, come into force at the end of the next school year. Exceptions will be made for pupils who need their phone uh, or tablet for medical purposes. Next, uh, the Dutch railway company NS has decided to freeze domestic ticket prices next year following the cabinet's decision to give the state-owned company 120 million euros in subsidies. The infrastructure ministry initially gave NS the green light for an increase of ticket prices by 3.5% in 2024 on top of the regular increase, but the move was slammed by MPs and rail user groups. Instead, the ticket price for international train services will go up by almost 8%. Renting an OV feeds will also go up by 10 cents a day. Oh, robbery. Uh, 4.55 it will be now. I mean, it's... Well, it's um, 4.55 a day to rent yeah. a bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Terrible. Um, <laughs> Train usage hasn't returned to uh, pre-pandemic levels, which is causing financial problems for the Dutch railways. An earlier plan to introduce rush hour supplements were dropped because of uh, yeah protests. Yeah. Um, on Sunday, the Netherlands was treated by a rare sighting of the Northern Lights, the Aurora Borealis. Uh, Thierry Baudet was very happy with this uh, phenomenon, of course. Yeah, Thierry Baudet was, was very enthusiastic about this. Yeah. Yes. It could be seen over large portions of the country thanks to a clear sky and equally rare sights these days. 
dozens of people shared their spectacular photos of the aerial phenomenon on social media. And uh, we on Dutch News have selected a few of the nicest photos. So uh, make sure you check them out. You can find a link to the article in the show notes. That's uh, all that we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. And if you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. You can also back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl and earn yourself a free shout out on the podcast. My thanks to Gordon Derek, and we'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.